can we play you every week? No, no, please. Can we play you every week? Welcome to the Always America. Sheffield Wednesday opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. Unfortunately, we don't have a Cardiff preview for this week. Because it seems like only when Sheffield Wednesday play Cardiff, good things happen this year. I am taking an evening off from the hard stuff. But rather than go on the council pop, I'm going on the soda pop. I have Cheerwine, a Carolina specialty. It is an incredibly sweet cherry soda, often found at, like, the Crackle Barrel store. That's where I usually get it. Oh, my local grocery store has it now. Uh, And it's essentially carbonated grenadine for all intents and purposes, but it's quite good. 42 grams of sugar in 355 milliliters. I don't know how many ounces that is. I assume around 12. Also joining me this week, with I'm sure a few ounces of something in his glass, it's Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Good evening, Jeffrey. Um, I've got um, probably one of the first British beers I've had on the podcast. Um, I got I picked up some Trooper. Uh, but it's the new Trooper with um, like a sake lager. Uh, so Iron Maiden's beer. Uh, it's called Sun and Steel. It's a... Uh, Actually, very good. It's kind of like a Japanese cast kind of Sapporo uh, lager. Uh, quite clean, very easy to drink. Um, yeah, I've never tried. The, well, I have tried the original Trooper. Um, and it's not really my kind of taste, but this is quite nice. And we don't do a lot of British beers on this podcast, I found. There's so many like American, like microbrews we can all get to in like 15 minutes. Or if bourbon is more your speed. In Ohio, it's our Ohio L, Evan Skilter. Evan, what are you drinking? Drinking some Buffalo Trace tonight. <laughs> Got the uh, the big bottle. The 175. Those are hard to find. They had like a bottle, oh, yeah. like a glass shortage at the factory like a year ago. You couldn't find the 175s. Yeah. So um, good bang for your buck, though. Yeah, I, I really like Buffalo Trace. I think every Buffalo Trace distillery selection is good, but mm-hmm. um, I think I think the Buffalo Trace titled bourbon is uh is one of the best it's very versatile you mm. really do and you drink it neat throw some cubes in it good cocktail it's a great mixer that's right and adding to our mixer this week it's our cascadia mike laroon mike what are you drinking hey guys how you doing uh not quite 15 minutes away but one of our uh breweries out on the oregon coast is pelican brewing company and this is their midnight malt which is their cocoa porter which is uh quite good i'm enjoying it quite much we will review the watford and cardiff games one of these things is not like the other talk some wednesday news and preview qpr at the weekend we will start with our watford review Uh, my talking point for this is like they played fine it was not a it was not the best performance of the season. We'll come to that in a minute. It was far from the worst performance of the season. And yeah, Watford were just better. Like uh, the uh the Sky Sports commentary team or not Sky Sports, sorry. Uh BBC Sheffield commentary team sort of repeatedly said they didn't think Watford really ever got out of first gear, and Watford never really got out of first gear. They got a goal that we can and probably will debate whether it should have been given or not. But I think if they had needed another goal, they would have found another goal. And Wednesday had some chances, some half chances, some clear-cut ones. Jordan Rhodes had a pretty good uh, opportunity to score on the back post. But 
it just never they never really got like Watford this is what you expect from a top of the table team Patty Watford just managed the game it did the kind of suffocated us right it was, <clears throat> and it was it was too easy for them too mm. so I my, my talking about was kind of like it's a lack of energy um I thought we played all right I thought we we played but also at the same tempo as Watford the problem is that Watford did it better than we did so they could keep it out uh we probably deserved a draw I think nil nil would have been a fair result I still think and let's get to the goal because um both their players were offside the guy that takes it um mm-hmm. on the right hand side he's offside uh it, that was uh Saar wasn't it, on the right hand side he mm-hmm. then crosses it into success and if success isn't there Tom Lee doesn't have to make the challenge he doesn't right. have to sweep in for it and success is he, clearly playing the ball right he's in he's in play and yet he's offside too and it, for me if, if if that's VAR, then it's it's not a goal. Um, and for me, the, the the officials had a nightmare the entire game. So inconsistent. I will say, if there was VAR, goals. we probably would have conceded like seven more penalties this year. But <laughs> <laughs> true, yeah. Look, this is in this isolation. Yeah. Uh, but also, I, I generally thought the the officials had a terrible game. They um they uh, constantly called like goal kicks that weren't necessarily goal kicks as corners and bits and pieces. It wasn't just for us either. Watford had some, some bad calls too. It was just poor officiating throughout the game. Uh, but excuses, excuses. Uh, we didn't get the look of the green this time around. Uh, I didn't think we did anything to get too upset about. I would just wish we... I just feel like we're, they're there for the taking uh, and we kind of played to their tempo rather than trying to change tempo ourselves. Um, so yeah. It's disappointing, but I mean, they're the most informed team in the league at the moment and mm-hmm. they're, they're shooting for automatic pretty much. So, That's enough of the Watford game, frankly. We're <laughs> <laughs> just going straight to the Cardiff game. Well, uh, what else do you want to... Like, I thought... So, uh, I mean, my talking point for the Cardiff game is be similar to my talking point for the Watford game. I think over these two games, it didn't come off for him as well against Watford, but you really got the engine Barry Bannon is like the engine in midfield in both these games he completely ran the show against Cardiff but I thought he was quite good against Watford as well he's sort of the one standout player on the pitch now cynics could say and you can certainly apply this more broadly to the team in the Cardiff game as well that he's putting himself in the shop window in case they go down which if, if he wants to play like this the rest of the season you know, go down or like if I don't know if the team will stay up doing it, but yeah, it's the best chance they have to go on a run is Barry Bannon having games like he had last week. So fair enough. If that is the case, he's doing us a favor too because he's right. signed the contract, right? So yep. if he's putting himself in shot window, it means we'll get some money for him, which he's doing <laughs> as a favor. I don't think we can afford. To, I don't think Bannon wants to play in League One. I don't think um, we need him in League One. I think we need a different kind of player. So Joey Pellet. Yes, the least he, <laughs> least he can fucking do is put himself in the shop window. <laughs> And uh, what a weekend to mark his 25th, 25th uh, appearance too. So it's two it's two performances for me that uh, it, it reiterates the player we've had for all this time. And it's, it's it's the only thing that is a blot on his record is that we didn't get promoted with him or we might get relegated with him. <laughs> um, uh, he is one of the classiest players we've had in our generation, without a doubt. And uh, in these last two games, he's shown that. Just, just an absolute joy to watch. I was tempted to bring back uh, ninety minutes and ninety seconds for the Cardiff game, just so I could play ninety seconds of the Stephen Fletcher song that ran for the entire ninety <laughs> minutes. At Hillsborough, that was for some reason. 
So again, my, my public service announcement, you can always tune to iFollow. Yeah. <laughs> get, 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 the, uh, get the audio, which, which sounds like the director's cut because you can actually hear everything going on um, between the coaches and the benches uh, if you go that route. But yes, I did go inside for a few minutes and check out the, uh, the Stephen Fletcher song, which is fantastic. Patty, I was going to ask you, though, you really don't think Barry Bannon, we, we could use Barry Bannon in League One? I could use him. I just think it's a luxury that I don't necessarily think is uh, we can afford. I, I think if we can sell Bannon for two or three million uh, instead, um, I think that's better business, and we we'll probably get maybe two players, two two or three players, maybe uh, in League Ones that's going to help us stay up. Um, I mean, or not because they might be under a transfer embargo, which we'll get to in the reception. <laughs> I feel like having Barry Bannon in League One is like putting a kind of a, a Mustang GT engine in an old clapped out kind of like the Nissan or something like that. It's, it's, you'd, it's rather, not... you'd rather have the cash and whatever comes with it. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. So if we talk about Cardiff, let's talk about all the goals, shall we? Yeah. There were five of them. It was uh, 16% of our season output. Did you know it's uh, 20, 21% of our... Oh, wait, I thought 21% of our league goals have been against Cardiff. Against Cardiff, yeah. Seven, <laughs> two of my favorite stats. I'm just opening up my uh, my notes because I basically... I, I, so my story of this game is, uh, as most of the New York Owls know, is that I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't watching it. <laughs> because I went to a nice weekend away with my, my wife. Um, and the plan was to go to... On the way back home from this weekend away, I was going to go to Albany because they had uh, bars and I could stop at a bar for lunch and watch the game um, on my phone, supposedly. But um, what I didn't take into account is that on Easter Monday in Albany, nothing is open. Not one fucking place is open. Not even somewhere I could sit down and watch the game. So uh, I didn't see the game. I was walking around a desolate uh, ghost town in upstate New York. Um, but I have since watched um, most of it. Um, so I genuinely thought, obviously some of the best goals we scored all season, at least two goal seasons contenders. Let's, let's talk about the, uh, the Patterson goal, I suppose is, is the first one of note. Just, I just, I, I, where does this come from? Like Windass's nonchalant kind of uh cross field ball that starts it all off. He barely, barely lifted his heel. Yeah. He just kind of like clipped it and it went 40 yards to Liam Palmer who touches it once and then touches it again. And it's smack bang into the center of the penalty area with the, Patterson first time in the bottom corner. I don't understand how these players <laughs> put this performance in. This is this is the double-edged sword of that game. Is everyone's like, this is amazing, we're so wonderful, and then you're like, this is all just opportunity lost. Um, yeah, where, where has this? I mean, it's a rhetorical question. Where has this been? But it's a serious question. And is this Gary Monk's undoing? Is this? I don't know. I mean, we've had, this is what our, how many goals have we had? How many coaches have we had this year? How many different people have been on the sidelines this year? Um, we've always known that we've got glimpses of quality in this squad. I mean, people like Adam Reach and Barry Bannon, we've known they've got quality that, that see Adam Reach's perspective, he hasn't really shown it. Windass, we were always kind of like, well, has he got quality or is he just a bit kind of like lazy or is he just not bothered? Palmer, I mean, Evan known he's had quality since the beginning he saw him. We're not sure about Liam Palmer. <laughs> but, that's uh, that's going to be uh, Euro 2020 or 2021 participant, Liam Palmer, probably. Right. So. Yeah, let's go. Fantastic game. 
And then Callum Patterson, who I've been terribly, I've been really bad on. I've been really poor on Callum Patterson. And that was, he was brilliant. He was brilliant. That's a Callum. very difficult technique based on how quickly the cross was coming in to catch it in stride. So good. But then he you... did the almost, he did the almost opposite of this, the, um, uh, the Jordan Rhodes goal. It was his cross, yeah. which was spot on, a two touch that was just spot on. I haven't uh, been terribly in tune this season. I think everyone's pretty well well aware of that. But uh, after watching these last, mm, definitely the last two, obviously the last one, but maybe even the last three or four, I f- it, it seems to me like the team, there's a little bit more freedom and flow and, and creativity, uh, maybe creativity allowance. Uh, I'm curious if you guys think maybe – Part of it's just a culture thing. The guys are a little more relaxed, uh, perhaps due to to the manager and how he manages. But um, again, since I haven't been terribly in tune, I wanted to ask you that question instead of assuming. I think this started under Tamo to a certain extent. Um, sort of just freeing them up from Pulis ball. Obviously, Moore is a very distinct style. He wants to play, and that's playing out from the back. But you know, they were, even against Cardiff, they were a little shaky at times for the first 10 minutes or so. And Cardiff never, like, did Mick McCarthy watch any tape of this team in the last few games? Because <laughs> they have not been particularly difficult to pin down and smother. Not, not even, like, uh, like, a Watford level, but teams have just been able to press them out of the back and force them into mistakes. And they just, I like, look, I thought, I don't want to take anything away from the performance. I thought it was a really good performance. Cardiff were abjectly shit, but you still have to put them to the sword, and they did that and more. But I don't know what to to make of it long term. Maybe they are getting more just more comfortable playing out from the back as as time goes on, or the decision making is improved, or that they're they're adjusting to sort of the the time on the ball they're going to have while trying to do that. So I don't know. I guess is the short answer. And again, I guess the the overarching question of this game is: is this a good day at the office, or is this potentially the start of a trend? And we've seen good performances this year we've even seen them put together you know two or three four match unbeaten runs here and there there's haven't been enough of them and they haven't been able to sustain any of it and now they're at the point where basically they have to go something close to unbeaten for the rest of the season and look they have some teams that are going to be on the beach uh, outside of swansea they don't really play a particularly good team the rest of the way but i just don't know if this is you know they play a lot of cardiffs and I don't know if this is a a harbinger of anything or not. Well, you you mentioned trend, but I think if you you look back even four matches, we are starting to play better, right? Mm-hmm. Draw drew against Huddersfield, beat Barnsley two one. Barnsley's not a bad squad. Watford looked like we belonged in the match anyway, uh, and then obviously, I mean, we looked like. I wrote down we look like the Harlem Glo- Globetrotters, but um, I mean they were, they were just it was so free flowing through the midfield. It was uh, we even didn't talk everyone about was the, quick to pass. It was just it was beautiful fo- football. We even didn't talk about the fourth and fifth goals, which are like the best counterattacking football I've seen since that one yeah. goal against Arsenal in the League Cup. <laughs> I want to call out Patterson for that fourth goal too. Yeah. He he won the corner. He won the header yeah. at the corner overlaps Bannon to get onto that right wing where Bannon just kind of held it off and then yeah. kind of like uh, fainted to him and then obviously assisted to Rose like Mike said it, it was just for me um, Windass and Patterson in that game were were fantastic and I've been very um, shaken both of them and I'm, I'm hoping this like I say I'm hoping it is a trend I'm hoping it's the start of something else 
the, the negativity though uh, that comes from us is because we've been here before in one-off performances and we're wary of getting hopeful right we're all in that situation i was in the car with my wife on the way down and she's like why are you all so negative still you were in five nils like yeah but i hate them they're giving me hope it's the, like, it's the, the hope that kills yeah, you. It's like a, and <laughs> I, I mean i can even take this a step further which is well again i, I am not one of the arsenal fans who <laughs> hopes they crash out so Wenger gets fired or one of the there's many more analogies like that but you know i think what if we crawl out of this and finish 20th and next year we are back here with patterson reach Rhodes, bannon and we're just going to be and we're all and we're in 17th place <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so let's try and answer that shall we because it's interesting because i think wherever we are next season i've seen enough from darren moore's sheffield wednesday that i think we'll do okay in, e- in either league obviously I think it depends on who we keep. Um, I still think all people that are out of contract that we spoke about last week, I still would stick by my opinions that those people should still go. Because even if they put in the best performance of their lives in the next six games, seven games, mm-hmm. they've done enough for me to say, sorry, but this is this is a this is a one-off. Not it's not something I want to keep you for. But um, I've seen enough to s- suggest Darren Moore has the uh, personality and the skills to motivate a team to do well in whatever league is in. I mean, um, I'll also say that, you know, the, the, these players aren't the ones necessarily even to play his style of football either. Right. So he's going to have time, hopefully, I mean, we've got just talked about a, a soft embargo. Hopefully he's got time to build a team in his own, in his own style. Um, but my, so, so to answer your question, Mike, I, I don't, Oh, look, there's, a, there's an overriding question here about the, the ownership and the strategy of the, the team long term. I think you can paper over that with a good manager and a good coach who can build a good team, especially in the championship. We've seen it with Sheffield United. I mean, they haven't got a good ownership. They've managed to get the Premier League for, and stay there for two years. Um, it doesn't. It's not always the. Um, it's the ideal way of building a club. It's the ideal way of having a good long term strategy and a good ownership and a good strategy. But you can still do okay without that. You just need a good manager and a good set of players. Is that all? Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about Josh Windass a little bit. Because <laughs> uh, from what I saw uh, on the game on, on Monday, uh, he's he's playing with confidence. He's unselfish. And I think that's something I've not said about him in the past. I think I've said he's been selfish in the past. Um He's becoming one of my most creative players. The layoffs and the touches that he had, uh, the pace he brings to that front line. Uh, now he can do long ball passes across fields, apparently too. Uh, it, it is quite a transformation. Uh, and if he continues in that vein, he's going to be quite an asset for us. Um, and possibly a player I'd like to keep. <laughs> yeah, I've always... He is a, a little bit of, I don't want to say an enigma, I don't know if that's right, but he's a difficult one to get a handle on because he really does offer something different in an attacking mold than what they have right now. Um, you know, he's very direct, He, but he's very direct. He will make runs off the last shoulder of the defender, but he's also capable of, of dropping deep and linking up or playing on the wing. So he, he's versatile. I just don't know if he's actually good enough at any one of those things individually to... be like a first name on the team sheet type where you were just like, oh, we just get an actual number 10 and an actual 
winger and an actual like box to box midfielder instead of just having him wear a lot of hats. I, so I don't know. And his finishing has been suspect at times as well. Uh, although he has, you know, his goals for game ratio at Wednesday is not bad by any stretch for someone that does not play as an out and out striker. He's just, I, I haven't, I don't know that we've seen the best of him, but I also don't know there's anything more than this. And there's, there's still questions about his attitude too, right? So my, my original point about him not wanting to be at the club was because I think his attitude stinks sometimes. Uh, and I still think he thinks he's, he's God's gift. Um, but I mean, sounds a lot like Patty on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's stinking attitude. I think of God's gift. Um, no, an, ar- an arrogant footballer, Patty. I never. I know, but I mean, when you, you can be arrogant if you're good, and you're in a club that uh, will will kind of give you those kind of like space to do that. You're in you're bottom of the league championship. Yeah, uh, a club that's not done. That. He, he, he can't be arrogant to that level. Right, but I can't say he's ever like he doesn't strike me as a guy that just coasts even when it's not going well. I think he puts a shift in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. He's, like I say, I, I think he's a bit of an enigma. I think um, we're trying to make as, as our, our job on this podcast, mm. a job you can call it that. Our, our role in this podcast is to make us kind of assumptions and judgments and be kind of objective about what we see on the pitch. Um, and that's the impression that I get. Uh, it could be wrong. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, fantastic. I want to give him credit. If anyone's going to go into a negative thing, I want to give him credit for the game he played on Monday. I think he played a great, a great, great game. His touch was fantastic. His passing was great. His vision was good. Um, just missing a goal, really. No, you just need to do it seven more times. Please. Yes, please. All right, let's take a break. and we come back, we'll deal with the Wednesday news and preview QPR. Support for Owls and Maricast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code OWLS at manscaped.com. That's all capital O-W-L-S at manscaped.com. Evan, we've got a sponsor. How good is this? So uh, they hooked up with a bunch of tools uh, and formulations from their Perfect Package 3.0 kit. Uh, We all got the kit. Uh, What do you think of it, man? All right. So when we first started talking about this, this partnership, I thought it was kind of a gag. That was kind of funny. <laughs> and I was I was looking forward to getting the package and opened it and the presentation was cool, but like I well, I used it um and I mean I can show you guys the results if you'd like. <laughs> uh, Let's not do that. We don't lose but, listeners. But truthfully, I, I actually it's a good product. Um there's also a couple other products that can freshen you up down there uh, i've used both of those and you know i know it sounds funny and it is kind of funny but it's actually a pretty good product what do you think yeah so we've got the lawnmower 3.0 in our, in our, in our package and we've got a few bits of deodorant stuff like too like i say we, we, we've got this uh, sponsorship for the next month or so uh we really appreciate uh kind of if, if you want to try it use our code uh owls at manscaped.com you get 20 percent off um we'll be talking about it over the next few weeks too uh 
everyone on the podcast has got one. Jeff's got one. Mike's got one. Justin's got one. So we'll be chatting with those guys too. Um, use owls at manscaped.com for 20% off with free shipping. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Outside of some Wednesday news, the biggest news of the week is Darren Moore has not been in the dugout the last two games, which we didn't cover in the match reviews for some reason. Uh, he has tested positive for COVID-19. We wish him all the best and a speedy recovery back. It's fantastic. This is, it is kind of weird that we just sort of sit here, you know, looking at the table, we, uh, you know, Rotherham still has, I think, three games in hand because they've had multiple outbreaks and had to have games postponed this season and you know this is the second time a wednesday manager has tested positive and obviously they've had players test positive well and had a game postponed themselves the upcoming swansea fixture had to be rescheduled and it's just it is weird i've been sitting in my house for 13 months at now at this point and you want like mostly watching live sports like i'm watching a a baseball game right now on my other screen because I'm a professional and uh, <laughs> and you want it to be like a distraction but it does keep you know it's this is this is the world we live in you think it affected the performance against Watford because obviously I think it happened quite late on in that, that kind of warm-up right um, yeah maybe I mean uh I do recall the substitutions came in fairly late like they didn't really freshen things up until late in the game and I think the first move was just bringing on Palmer to move Patterson up front. And, you know, I don't know, maybe more. I'm sure they were talking to Darren Moore the whole time, but um, I don't think I like, did it make a huge difference? No, Watford was just better. Yeah, I suppose so. Uh, I feel like maybe uh, if, if I'm, I'm really speculating here, but if Darren was on the touchline, maybe they a bit more oomph in the last 20 minutes, half an hour to get behind them. But uh, yeah. I mean, if they, like need, say, if they need that at this point, like what are we even doing here? <laughs> He's someone to shout and move faster. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm just speculating, but yeah, hopefully he gets better. Uh, he was he was not there obviously on uh, Monday either, and we won five 0 so he can't have been back to that much. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know when he's going to be back. He's not really told when uh, he's back on the um, sidelines. Hopefully, he gets a negative test soon. Harry Bannon, as we did mention in the first half of the show, I mean, coming upon 250 appearances for Sheffield Wednesday. Has it been that long? It has been that long. Yeah. How do you think he's going to be looked upon um, Bannon as his legacy at Wednesday? Yeah, I don't know. Well, you mentioned earlier that he, you know, he doesn't have a promotion, um, and that's that's going to hang heavy on him. Um, and but at the same time, you know, maybe maybe he's the whole reason we haven't that we've managed nine consecutive years in the championship um, in a good way. Not that um, he hasn't gotten us out, but um, I've, I've always thought of him as Mr. Consistency. He's been, um, you know, a, a good ball handler. I, I'm happy to see him as captain now, finally getting a little bit of recognition there. But, um, yeah, that's a, that's a hard to say. I think I hope fondly. Well, I, you think of Billy since 2001. Or yeah, since the ninety nine two thousand season when they were relegated from the Premier League, there's been a lot of squad turnover, especially in that first decade. 
you know, a lot of managers, you know, bouncing between League One and the championship. It really does sort of feel since really since Milan Mandarich took over that there's at least been a little bit more uh stability at the club. I know it's using the word stability nowadays around Sheffield Wednesday is kind wow. of uh funny, but we have seen, I think, more long long tenure players. Like, who would you really say was like sort of the signature player of Sheffield Wednesday from two thousand one to two thousand ten? And um, Bullen probably, maybe Brunt. Tricky one because I mean we had some good players in that period. I think maybe I would, I would go with maybe. <sighs> I'm not even necessarily when, when... saying the best player. Although I think you certainly argue Bannon was the best player they had this decade. But sort of, who do you think of as like sort of the main figure on those Sheffield Wednesday teams? When did Glenn Whelan start? Yeah, Glenn Whelan's not a bad, a bad shout either. Glenn Whelan, I mean, it was uh, it was towards the end of that decade, wasn't yeah. it? I think so. Yeah, my 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 history and my years are terrible. So <laughs> I'd certainly I would discount most of the years after we got relegated from the Premier League as anyone being worthy of mention. Um, <laughs> well, it does seem to be a common thread around. Sheffield Wednesday fans, right? We all talk, we're still talking about Waddle and Hurst, literally thirty years later at this point. And look, again, all-time great players for the club, but very little of you know Sheffield Wednesday's sort of glory days were like a seven-year period. In the but I mean, if you think about 80s, this, early nineties, and there's yeah. the club's been around since eighteen sixty-seven, and there's been plenty of fallow periods as well. If you think about this build-up to the playoff runs, you know the Carlos years, you you kind of just have this hodgepodge of there's Atenuio is in one corner, you got Forestieri sitting there, you got Ross Wallace highlights, and maybe and maybe it's because we're coming along in the era of YouTube and highlight reels that we don't really there isn't this um, just you know consistent player that we really relish for the for the right reasons. But I think Bannon might get lost in all that. I think Bannon's going to stick out because, like I say, we had we skirted with the um, with success with Bannon in his first season, pretty much, and then we we failed ever since. But um, I think he's constantly stuck out as first of all consistency, right? Like I said, Mike, he's, he's, he's been there. He doesn't get injured much, which in our injury record is something to hail in the first place. Um, and he's probably our best player every season. Um, and he gets stakes sometimes, uh, but that's because we expect the best from him, and he's not always delivered the best. Well, and I think also, also, lastly, you look at, think about the last 10 years, think about every bright spot, every big moment, every fun moment that you can think of in, in Wednesday. I, Barry Bannon was probably a part of it, right? He's probably, if you look at some some highlight, some some great play, from six years ago, maybe six, but Barry Bannon is probably right there in the frame somewhere. Um, maybe not directly involved in the play, but it's just, he, yeah, consistency is exactly right. When you play that many matches, um, when when you have that many post-game interviews, um, and when you have that many hair transplants. it's uh, <laughs> good. Just don't think you can be overlooked. How did he not end up back in the Scotland squad? Oh, God, I don't know. Yeah. I think he's one of those players that um, 
again, it's a bit of a luxury. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure he, he for international fits in football, especially. Yeah, you'd think he'd be a, a good fit for international football, though. I just don't know if he fits in with that style of play that Scotland yeah, have, which true. is industrious. <laughs> yeah, it's very, uh, yeah, it's very <laughs> Scottish. So, as we also alluded to in the match reviews, it appears that Sheffield, like just today, it would be able to Sheffield. I haven't even seen the article yet. I'm reliably informed by my co-host that Sheffield Wednesday under a soft transfer embargo. Apparently, because we filed late uh, in 29, for the 2019-20 accounts. Uh, again, this is something we're just finding out about half an hour before the podcast started. Uh, they were due in March. Um, but that's when we published our 2018-2019 figures. Um, and I think there's some grey area where they... Uh, where the government said that you need to file your accounts by April, but the EFL did not uh, extend the deadline, uh, their own deadline. So whereas the government allowed an extra month, the EFL did not. Uh, and that's what I assume Gen Z was going to go to court for. <laughs> yeah. And just, always, just to clarify, always, I just love looks, hearing stuff from the EFL. Like just, that. just to clarify, it's, it looks like there's at least 10 teams involved in the same boat. So um, hopefully it's nothing, but, uh, We'll see. It just for me, oh, it just stinks that this way the EFL are still trying to punish clubs during a pandemic where we've had no income for over a year. Uh, and I, I thought, well, I know, I know that we were supposed to be like letting FFP go, but this seems to be silly uh, at best. Um, so hopefully it gets resolved. The clubs say they're confident of it being removed in time for summertime. So, but what is the point of an embargo when there's no point of signing players anyway <laughs> right now? We can't sign players. It's not really necessarily something we can do other than free agents. Um, but yeah, let's see what happens. Hopefully it's, it comes to nothing. Uh, like I said, Mike, there's 10 other clubs um, that's got the same embargo. Well, it sounds like once again we're in a hairy situation. Hopefully we can tr- trim our way out of it. <laughs> Is that what we're trying to do for the rest of the next four weeks now, is to uh, try and get some uh, shaving jokes in there? Well, if Wednesday are going to survive a close shave and get out of the championship, they will have to start or continue this week at QPR. Patty, how is QPR positioned right now? They're doing pretty well. I would say uh, if you asked me at the beginning of the season where QPR finished, I would not have guessed to be in the top half. Um, they've had uh, a decent run, uh, I would say, over the last 10 games. Uh, it's kind of, I don't know, it's very very inconsistent over the last six, uh, which is the general kind of measure of form uh, in the league. Uh, they just lost 3-1 to Forest uh, last out. Uh, they've won three of the last six, though, um, but it's kind of been kind of, they haven't really ever won two on a, on a bounce for a while, it seems. Um, so I think they're there. They're there for the taking, um, as most of the teams are in this league, if you're below the top three, the bottom three, sorry. Sorry, below the top three. Um, I looked at a few stats. Uh, you've got the guy called Chair. Uh, he's very good. One of my favorite names of the championship. Uh, and Lyndon Dykes, they're the two danger men. And of course, you've got Charlie Austin, who they signed in January. He's already got six goals for himself um, in 17 games. And between the three of them, they've got 21 goals between them. So they've got some goals in them. Uh, they do like to play down the wings. Uh, they've played mainly with a 4-2-3-1 formation but recently kind of experimented with 3-4-3 with kind of Austin leading the line and chair and one of somebody else uh, behind him. 
they've occasionally switched to a three-four-one-two with uh, with Dykes and Austin up front too. Um, so it remains to be seen what they're going to go with uh, against us. Um, they they they're safe pretty much, uh, but mathematically they still could be drawn into it. But I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, they're in that kind of sweet spot. We kind of touched on it earlier on of our next uh, group of uh, games where hopefully they're on the beach. Um, they, they got spanked by Forest 3-1 on the weekend. So uh, who knows what kind of frame of mind they're going to be in. Um, and I was looking at the fixtures, actually, not just this fixture. So i um, look at fixtures going ahead. So I think uh, this might be our kind of like um, most informed team we're playing uh, on, on Saturday against Cuba. The rest of the teams that we're playing aren't in form. Even Swansea, who are obviously uh, fighting for playoff positions, they're in terrible form at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, they're a good team, but it might be a good time to play them. Um, I mean, we we say that like Wednesday aren't the form correctors of the entire <laughs> league. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a good thing to play people that are out of form. Um, but hopefully, uh, in this case, we can book that trend. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing else to say than they have to win this game. We'll say this for every few the rest of the way until they're mathematically yeah, and, eliminated. And, and, and the prize waiting for us in the last week of the season? Yeah. Neil, War- Neil Warnock. <laughs> we'll get Neil Warnock and we have uh, Wayne Rooney's Derby. Oh, yeah. Warnock and Rooney. What a, what a, um, <laughs> what a combo. Uh, Both winning. Derby on a challenge run, too. Derby, oh, like, I think eight points that a drift of Derby at the moment. So they're not, yeah. they're not totally out of it yet. They still have a game in hand over Derby. I can't remember. I think we're about the same, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, that Rooney bounce they had wasn't very long lasting. You've been listening to episode 132 of the Owls Americas. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers by fellow Wednesdays forever to the makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americas, we ask you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Support for the Owls Americas is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code OWLS, that's O-W-L-S in all caps, at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Evan is on Twitter at Ohio Owl. Evan, what's your uh, go-to Buffalo Trace cocktail? I don't know, Jeff, but speaking of in form, if your balls are out of form, <laughs> get them back in form by visiting manscaped.com and using our code for 20% uh, off. O-W-L-S, all caps. <laughs> smooth, really smooth. Smooth Mike is as on Twitter at Cascadia Owls. Mike, do you have a balls-related pun or something you want to get in here today? <laughs> no. <laughs> have a good week, everybody. <laughs> Patty is on Twitter at New York Owls and at Patty A. Jones. Uh, Patty, where'd you end up going to lunch yesterday? Uh, we went to Kingston. We went to a vegetarian place uh, mm. in uh, Kingston, which was delicious. Actually, I got a kimchi and turmeric grilled cheese sandwich. Um and it was uh, fantastic. It's called Outdated in Kingston, New York. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostra. We'll be back with more Wednesday chat next week. <laughs>